thanks for joining us today for a new series of devotions that we're going to do in a little bit different way this week. Um, joining me is Meg, Megan Gray, who is, has been a longtime member and uh, leader at New Life in many different ways. And um, we're going to talk about how to honor our parents. Um, we were supposed to interview Megan for um, our Mother's Day message, and that didn't work out because of a COVID situation. And so I just thought this is even better because now we can have three devotions with Megan where she's able to talk with us about how to honor our parents in practical ways. The scripture that we're going to refer to a bunch is uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may have long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger with your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Before we go any further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word and for its power. Lord, I thank you for how your Holy Spirit works in perfect timing to say the right things to us at the right time for uh, some purpose that you have. It is our prayer that you would guide our conversation, that you would guide people as they click to watch this, that it would all come together according to your leadership for your glory and for our blessings. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Now, our focus today is going to be on the question, how do we honor our parents in our youngest years? So when we're children and in the teen years, what does it look like to honor our parents in, in practical ways? So Megan, let's begin with the, when, we're, when we're children, what does it look like for children to honor their parents? Um, First of all, thank you yes. for joining us for this. Thank you. I'm glad this is working out. Um, I think for young children, it's probably the easiest way um, because it's very clear cut. To honor means to obey, very simply. Uh, when you have young children, um, frequently when you're a new parent and you have young children, you're totally overwhelmed and you think that life can't ever get more difficult. But in reality, this is probably the easiest the kids will ever get. Yeah. Because it's very straightforward. There's, yeah. They do something, there's a natural consequence. There's not a lot of gray area or interpretation or things like that. Um, As so, a parent, it's overwhelming, especially for the first children, because it's like, I don't know how to do this. I've not done this before. Am I going to ruin them? And you're sleep so. deprived and yeah. you're figuring things out and you're working and it just, yeah. there's a million reasons why it's so, overwhelming. So parents be encouraged. It just gets worse. That's the message for that. <laughs> yes. no. um, I think you, I think once you have a second child, you start looking at it. Cause I, I know how to keep this little being alive. Yeah. So that takes a lot of stress out of it. But, um, and it's, it's not that it's not difficult. It is difficult with the little yeah. children because you can't reason with them when they're very young. Yeah. Um, but, Ultimately, we're trying to teach them obey, to obey in our homes. We're their first authority figures because we want them to learn how to obey God. Right. And someday our goal as parents is to let these children go off on their own and be able to be independent, but live godly lives, godly mm -hmm. Christians that, that glorify God with their actions and their lives and their future children. Was that always in the back of your mind as you were? No. As a, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I remember as a parent, I, I, there's often this thing in the back of my mind of, I'm teaching them to obey God or I'm teaching them not to obey God and I know I'm failing, you know? And so, but that, but what you're saying is the mindset that could be consciousness of, we want them to obey, not just 
because we're tyrants yes. or because we want our lives to be easier, but because we're trying to teach them how to obey God. Yeah. And I, I think we probably would have been better parents if we had had that clarity. Um, it didn't help me. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel a little better. Um, I, I think we have gradually came to that. We didn't have yeah. that in mind when our children were very young, when our, our, our two oldest were very young. I think we got there very quickly, but we were still also growing in our faith at the time. Mm. I don't think we were as rooted as we were in terms of God influencing every aspect of our lives. Um, but we very quickly got to the point where we were trying to help them understand to, the reason that you obey us is not just because I say so, but because there's an ultimate authority that we're trying to teach obedience to, right? And the reason we are obedient to that authority because they know best and they have great plans for us and it's God's purpose and will for our mm. lives. That's how we were created. Mm. And that's where we find true purpose and happiness. We right. live in God's will in that way. Yeah, that's um, really good. And if I can jump in for a second, I, that is so counterculture right now because right now we live in a culture that is teaching our kids to be true to yourself means to be true to your feelings, yes. to be true to your emotions. Um, even in the, I saw something the other day where they had these public school teachers teaching kids how to be true to their gender self and how you can be in a boy's body, but actually be a girl. And the way to be true to yourself is not to comply to some truth, but for your for for your feelings, your inner desires to be what is uh, fulfilled kind of thing. And so where it used to be, no, if you feel those things emotionally, there's nothing wrong with your body. There's something wrong with you inside. Now it's, oh, the body needs to change because your feelings have to be right. That is completely anti-biblical. We teach our kids to obey God. We teach them to obey scripture because to be true to self means to be true to truth, which is God and scripture. Yeah. And I, I think we're the first opportunity for our children to learn obedience. Yeah. And if they can't learn it in the home, if they don't yeah. learn it from the parents, then they are susceptible to everything that they hear in the secular world around them. And we're, yeah. we're encouraged to be, you know, in the world, but not of the world. And, you know, our children, we didn't homeschool them. We didn't have them in like private parochial schools or anything like that. They've been in public schools, um, partially because we couldn't afford it when they, when we were sure. you know, younger and, you know, we were both working. Um, and so we had to, we really felt this sense of urgency. Like we had to really pour into our children so that they were able to withstand what they were being taught in the secular space. And even now our kids come home and tell us things from high school or middle school. And we're like, oh my gosh, but they're able to tell us. It was crazy. They were talking about this stuff. And so our children have learned through obedience and listening to us as young children how to evaluate what they're being told with a biblical lens rather than just accepting it face value, which I think is important. And so in the younger ages, it's I've asked you to pick up your toys, be obedient and pick up your toys. Right. That's a very clear cut um, as kids move from that younger age, like toddler and preschool and like lower elementary and start moving into the tween and teenage years that that the way they honor parents changes, right? It's no longer obey the, the letter of the law, go pick up your toys. Now it's the spirit of the law, where mm. as a great example, I might've told one of my kids, like, you need to go to bed now. And when they were little, they'd go upstairs, they'd get the pajamas on, you know, prayers and books and teeth, and they'd go to bed. 
And as they got older, we wouldn't be involved with all that. We would send them to bed and we'd come up and check on them. And they'd have been in bed for an hour and a half, but on their iPad. And that's not being in bed. Like we sent you to bed. Like you knew what we meant. We didn't say go to bed and turn off all your lights because we didn't think we had to, right? We thought that you understood what we were saying. And so as you move from the younger ages into the teenage years, it's it's understanding that I don't have to tell you every little thing. You understand the intent behind when we, we give you direction, when we ask things of you, you can do those things without us having to explicitly say, don't do this or go do that. Um, and I think that can be a bit of a, a difficult one because kids start arguing with you and they start rationalizing and, well, so-and-so didn't have to do this. Where's so-and-so? They didn't have to empty the dishwasher. Why do I have to do it? So that I, I think that becomes a kind of a challenging transition from young child to teen even a tween at this age, I guess it's happening younger and younger, is trying to teach them that obedience is not just doing what I say, it's doing it with a cheerful heart, without arguing, without attitude. Um, and then as they get to be older teens, it's, I don't even need to tell you, don't you balance that last piece of trash on the trash can, just take, you see it needs to be done, take the trash out, why are you gonna make me tell you? Yeah. Uh, things like that. So how, what have you learned about, um, the there's something very healthy about children as they go from from being young children to being tweens to being teenagers to being older teenagers that the boundaries are adjusting and that they are developing a sense of not just they do what par their parents tell them but they themselves are developing who they are independent from you and your thing. So they're not just yes. doing things. How have you managed that uh, changing of the boundaries and kind of honoring that with your kids without just being either overly permissive or overly tyrannical? <laughs> I, I'm sure I've been both <laughs> at different stages with my kids. Um, one of the ways we handled it is children are very smart. I think we underestimate them all the time. Mm. And um, we have always talked very directly and openly with our kids. I'm asking you to do this. Here's why. And I'm willing to have a conversation with them, but I'm not willing to have it while they're whining or arguing oh, or rolling good. their eyes. Or If we can sit down and talk calmly about something, I'll listen to what you have to say. I may not change my mind, but I will at least listen to you. So we tried to teach them that if they could control their emotions about a specific issue and talk to us, we could have an, an honest conversation about why we were asking for something or why we were saying no to something. But you do want to encourage your children to do that. You need them, they need to understand and test the boundaries so that they learn how to evaluate things. When they're, you know, when they're young adults and they're faced with decisions, you don't want them to just rush into it because they don't know how to evaluate consequences or see what's good or test. I mean, the Bible says test, you know, see if something is from the Lord, whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is noble. Um, and, and even in Romans, it talks about be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you can see what is the good and perfect will of God. Like we want our kids to be able to develop that skill. And that's not something that comes naturally. You have to really invest in that. And so in our family, we, we talk often about why did I ask you to do that? Or why didn't you do that? And, you know, what do you want to do and why? Um, and so we've always told them, if you have a conversation with us, we'll consider it. We won't necessarily change our mind, but we'll consider it. And I think that laid a good foundation for them to at least be willing to bring their concerns to us in a reasonable way. And talk a little bit more about this. And you're also training them to be 
godly adults, mature godly adults, because as adults, we have to learn how to deal with authority that we disagree with. And we can be passive aggressive. We can avoid it. Boy, there are a whole bunch of people. They, they just will avoid it and be have a rebellious attitude as a result. Um, there are, they don't know how to, people don't have enough confrontational conversations that are healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you say, we, we'll, we'll talk through the, with them why. I have two thoughts. Cal Ripken taught, everything's about baseball, taught, <laughs> you don't just show the kid what to do. You have to teach them why. Why do you have your butt down, your legs, your base wide, your glove on the ground? You can teach them the what, but if they understand the why, then they'll know how to do, why to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. If all you do is tell them what, 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 they don't learn to think for themselves. On the other hand, how many times is a why question basically an invitation for a fight? Yes. It's not really, they're not really being teachable. And it's the same thing with adults, by the way. It's not, you just want to argue kind of. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so I always go back to, to Colossians. For me, Colossians 3, 20 and 21, um, where it talks about obeying and honoring your parents. Yes. But the second part of that verse is um, father's, um, don't provoke your, my, my version, my yep. translation says, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And you can see the difference between someone really trying to have an honest conversation about why mm. versus someone just giving you attitude. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it, the attitude is accompanied with the huffing and the eye rolling. Like it's pretty obvious uh, yeah. with your kids. They're, yeah. they're usually not that subtle. And so <laughs> I, I, we try to pick our battles, yeah. right? Um, and I have a very, blunt which was a polite way to say controlling i have a very blunt direct kind of personality and i've had to tone that back with my kids because Mm. i can be that parent that provokes their child Mm. um and so we started doing stuff like hey this weekend the following things need to be done and then letting it go and not nagging not reminding but just by the end by sunday you know at dinner time we'd like you guys to have accomplished this stuff and then we're giving them some flexibility they're making, they have the ability to decide, well, when am I going to do this? And, you know, am I going to do it right away? Am I going to wait? Is it going to be last minute? Do I not do it at all? Um, and so we're teaching them, you know, how to handle kind of deadlines and consequences and, and you know, obedience to specific, you know, suggestions and, and sometimes even commands that have been given. Um, we always try to be very practical because I'm, I'm a very practical person. I, the theory is great. How do I do it? Um, and for me personally, that's been my Christian walk, that's been my work life, that's been everything. And so with my kids, I've been the same. I've been trying to teach them, you know, how do you make those decisions? How do you decide when to do something? And then really what happens when you don't? And I don't want to be the parent that nags. It's not my responsibility to remind you to do stuff. I've told you, you need to do it. You know, it's going to be like that with their boss someday or their teacher someday. So I try not to be that person that nags and I leave it up to them to make that choice. Please do this. If you don't do this, there'll be a consequence. But you can choose that. That's right. I'm okay with those consequences. Yeah. And it's important that they learn both what happens when something goes well, yeah. but also when something doesn't go well. That's right. Because if they don't learn how to overcome a negative experience when they have their parents around them and the right. loving environment to kind of yeah. teach them, how do you overcome that? Okay, it happened. What do we do now? Then when something bad happens in the real world, when they're on their own or when they're in high school or college, they don't know how to handle it. Yeah. So, so the principle 
here is children obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and you may have a long life in the land. The other, the message there is that it may go well with you. And so you're teaching. And so children who are watching this, parents, I would encourage, encourage you to watch this with your kids, maybe and talk about it later on. Um, obey your parents because you want to obey God, learn how to obey God. Parents, it's really important for us to help our kids learn not to protect them from their consequences. Yes. And I, somebody tried to teach me this years ago. And I'm not sure how well I learned it, but they said they wanted their teens to make mistakes while mm. they're in the home. Yes. It, where it's safer to where they can help them from, as opposed to if they're making their first big mistakes after they've gone to college, after they've got, then they're, there's no way to, there's very little way to help them blunt the, blunt the severity of it. We had so. some very wise um, friends whose kids were about maybe five to eight years ahead of our kids. And it was such a blessing to have godly mentors to kind of see, not, not everything they did with their kids worked with our kids and vice versa, but just seeing other godly parents and how they handled situations that we had not run into yet made it made us think about things and kind of, well, what would we do if yeah. that happened? And so we were more prepared. Um, and one of the things my friend told me was, you need to be happy when your kids have a failure because that is a perfect opportunity for them to learn. Right. And if they don't learn in an environment where everyone around them loves them and wants them to be successful, when they're on their own, where no one really cares about them, That's right. they are floundering. They yeah. really flounder. So. So, so thank you for your time today. Here's the one takeaway that I want to encourage you to, to, to have. Um, Parents, listen to this and hear what God has to say about your next step and adjustments and encouragement and parenting. Um, let me encourage you, though, to sit down with your, if you found this helpful at all, I really wonder if it would be kind of cool to sit down with your kids to listen to what Megan has to say and then have the conversation with them just to say, so what do you think? Or how do you think that would work here? Or how can we have those conversations here so that... Um, so that we're not just frustrated with each other and and hear what God would say to you. Is there anything you're wanting to say in closing? Um, no, I think that for the older teens, for the older kids who are listen, might listen to this, I would encourage you to think um, what obedience looks like um, now that you're older, right? Because we're, we are separating from our parents. We're starting to prepare for, you know, high school and then going off to college. What does that obedience look like? It might be just doing it without being asked. It might be doing it without arguing. And maybe there's little steps that you can take because um, your parents really, really do want the best for you. And I tell my kids all the time, and I try and tell them when we're not arguing about things, like when everything's good and we're all happy and I'll just say, you know, I love you and that we won't always agree. But when we disagree, even when we're disagreeing, I love you. And that's how your parents feel about you too, that even when you guys are disagreeing, your parents have your ultimate best interests in mind. So thinking about that, does that change anything that you would do in your relationship with them? That's great. That it may go well with you. And I, I don't, this probably isn't going to mean anything to you if many to you if you're young, but hear me on this. 30 years in ministry, working with lots of staff, I've it is predictable the staff that are going to work well with teams and with authority and those who aren't. And it always has to do with the relationship with the parents. If, if they, the, the staff that is, Tom Pounder is the best person in the world to work with. 
and it's predictable because of the relationship he had with his parents. And then we've had other people uh, on staff at times that have not worked out and guess what their relationships with their parents were because the way they relate to authority was learned in the home. Um, Children, obey your parents and the Lord. This is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use this conversation for your glory, that you, that your power really would bless those who would hear. I, I pray that there would be some really good, healthy conversations that take place in families, um, that this could be even a family devotional time where you could speak and um, bring wisdom and maybe some healing, uh, certainly instruction. Through Christ we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for joining us. The next time we're going to talk about what's it look like to honor our parents in our young adult years. Until then, hope to see you soon.